Hi, friends. Welcome back to With Great People, the podcast for high-performance teams. I'm Richard Kasparowski. In this episode, I share some of my thoughts from right around when the global health crisis began. And rather than introduce it any further, we'll just jump right in. To support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com. Stay amazing together when life is hard. High-performance remote teams. First and most importantly, how are you? And how are the people you love the most? My wish for all of you is good health. This global health crisis is unprecedented in every sense, medical, economic, social, and psychological. We're in uncharted waters for humankind. It's a time of uncertainty, and it's testing people's resourcefulness to the limit. Suddenly, we're all working remotely, at least the fortunate ones of us who can. I'm genuinely grateful to be able to continue working remotely with clients and colleagues. I'm thankful I still have enough revenue to support myself and my family and my team of amazing employees and contractors. And I'm sad that so many of us have lost the ability to earn a living working jobs that can't be done online. We're learning to work with our colleagues while physically distant from them. The circumstances are far from ideal. This crisis was a big surprise. We didn't plan for this transition. We're not prepared. We're coping with stress and anxiety, with children and other family care responsibilities. The global economy and many businesses are in crisis. The world is wobbling on its axis. Everyone has figured out how to use Zoom and Slack and myriad other technical tools by now. Everyone has or they will soon. But to thrive, we need to maintain real human connection. Tools like the core protocols will help us not just survive, but thrive. The protocols weren't designed for remote collaboration, but they can be adapted. They can help groups maintain that sense of closeness on which real connection blossoms and great work gets done. And remember that core commitment number 11, that's the one that commits us to use the protocols as a complete set and as written, unless something else works better. They were always designed as open source tools to be adapted and updated in changing circumstances. Here's what's been working for me with my remote teams. Passing, checking out, and checking in with remote teams. Remember the pass protocol, the one that lets you opt out of an activity while staying present with your teammates? We use pass to opt out of specific conversations and activities, and we use the checkout protocol to physically exit the team's workspace. These agreements commit us to be fully engaged and present when we are not checked out, and they commit us to tell the others in our group when we're disengaging from them. With our conversations now online, we need to be more intentional about how we use these protocols. The good news is that the language and specifics still work. Passing can be as simple as typing the words, I pass, in an email or in the thread on a collaboration platform. It's more than a courtesy to your colleagues to ensure your status is evident at any time. They can't just look at you and see that you're not participating in an activity like they could if we were in physical space. They need you to explicitly say so. Checking out is a little different in virtual space. In physical space, we just leave the room. But in virtual space, there's no room for you to exit, so it can be harder for your teammates to know that you've checked out. You can quickly check out of a video call or collaboration thread electronically. It's as easy as ending the video call, working on something else, or walking away from the computer. 
And it's easier than in physical space because no one can follow you out of the room and try to pull you back in. No matter how you exit the team space, the best practice is to explicitly say or type, I'm checking out. Your teammates want to know what's happening with you. Did your internet connection die? Did your laptop lose power? Should they wait for you to return? Let them know before you exit. But what about all those alerts and notifications from Slack or Jira or WhatsApp or text messages, email, and whatever else? When we talk about checking out in physical space, we say nobody bothers you, but these alerts and notifications seem to be able to bother you. Can we really check out when it seems like everyone has access to you all the time? Does it seem like your teammates are too chatty, always messaging you and each other? Stop complaining about their chattiness. It's your phone. It's your computer. It's up to you to manage your app's notifications. Do you have a respond within X amount of time agreement with your teammates? Then no matter what, make sure you do respond within X amount of time. If you need to be immediately responsive, then leave those notifications on for the right channels and the right apps. But if you want some focus time, disable notifications, either temporarily or long-term. Dig into the settings of your communication apps. You get to control your app's alerts to get the best results for you and for your team. It's your responsibility. The emotion check-in protocol has new importance in remote teams, especially when everyone is stressed. You can't glean any insight into your colleagues' mood, energy level, or well-being via the text and emoji of a Slack message. It's easy to guess wrong or misinterpret a quickly written message. To really connect with each other, it's vital to deliberately communicate how glad or sad or mad or afraid we are. It's a great way to start the day, a great way to reconnect with each other. Just say, hi, here I am, logged on, beginning my workday. Present with all of you, even though we're not in the same building. It's easy to check in synchronously on a video call. And on my best teams, we start every meeting with an emotion check-in. It only takes a moment, and the rest of the meeting is so easy afterward. You can also do it asynchronously. Like you could create a check-in channel in your Slack and invite everybody to use it at least once a day. The uncertainties in which we're living mean that our status can change fast. Again, no one will know or be able to support you or make allowances for it unless you share. So checking in regularly throughout the day, that's essential. And when we're all moving along with our work, remember that being checked in doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to drop everything and chat with anyone who wants to talk about anything at any time. Like always, you're responsible for yourself and your team to ensure that whatever you're doing right now is the best use of your time. Asking for help in making things better. The Ask for Help and Perfection Game protocols both work well in text-based online settings. Their direct and assertive linguistic frameworks enable great clarity. It's important to have conversations in the open as much as possible in remote work, so everyone can follow along and understand the team's flow. To ensure a message isn't lost in the stream, it's an excellent idea to at-tag the person you're requesting to assist you, like, at Richard, will you help me with blah blah? Or, at Josh, will you play perfection game with me? It's your choice whether to peel off to a private chat or keep the Ask for Help or Perfection Game response in your team's shared channel. If your requestee is free to jump in and collaborate, you might take it private so you're not distracting the rest of the team. 
But if multiple people are playing perfection game with you, for example, then you'll probably keep it in public. In a public group conversation, perfection game's positive bias will help you all build on each other's ideas to make things even better. That's the whole idea. When you're asking for help, remember to use the ask for help protocol wording to ask clearly and concisely for what you want. Will you blank? No fluffy, conditional, oblique requests. That will make it easy for your teammates to recognize the ask for help, and they'll be able to help or decline according to their own priorities. Getting aligned. It's easier than ever for motivation to be challenged and for disengagement to set in when people are working in isolation. Work through the team transformation canvas, alone or with a colleague or mentor. It's a great way to refocus on your why and explore the real reason you're getting up and getting things done, doing your utmost under extreme circumstances, and remembering which values are important to you. And even if you've done this exercise before, the Team Transformation Canvas, there might be new things blocking your way forward. The tool can help you identify and overcome your new blockers. And hashtag stay at home is a perfect time to introspect and do a bit of inner work and transformation, getting yourself ready for the day you can emerge and spread your butterfly wings again in a new world. Making great decisions together. The decider and resolution protocols just work on video calls. The natural body language of thumb up, thumb down, and flat hand is only one reason to have your webcam on by default. Being able to quickly align around an agreed way forward through simple hand signals is an excellent tool for building connection across the miles, even if the decision itself isn't high stakes. Some teams like to leave a video call open all the time, perhaps on a second screen. But don't forget the amount of data and bandwidth this eats in case either of those are in limited supply where you are. Video meeting platforms like Zoom have breakout room facilities. You can easily divide your large team into smaller work groups and do some work concurrently on different decisions. And then you can report back and share your small group decisions with each other. If your team is in asynchronous mode, you can use decider and resolution in written form. Just make your proposal clear using the standard decider syntax. I propose blank, period, one, two, three. To make sure it's super clear that you're doing a decider and to facilitate your teammates' responses, I usually add voting options to the instructions and I also add a deadline. So my message would look like this. I would add on after I propose blank, one, two, three. To vote, add a reaction to this message. Thumb up emoji for yes, I support this proposal. Flat hand emoji or hand waving emoji for I support the team's decision. Thumb down emoji for no, I do not support this proposal and please add your resolution idea in a response thread. And then I say voting ends on Friday at noon Boston time. I'm clear about the time zone. You can use threaded conversations to pursue resolution proactively. If you vote thumb down, don't wait for the proposer to ask what would it take to get you in. When we're in asynchronous mode, too many sync points like that can make decisions take way too long. Just add your what it would take to get me in to the message thread. Here's a full example from a decider and resolution that actually happened with me and a teammate. I wrote, I propose that we spend the weekend pair programming the first iteration of our MVP, one, two, three. And I continued writing, to vote, add a reaction to this message. 
thumb up emoji for yes, I support this proposal. Flat hand or hand wave emoji for I support the team's decision. And thumb down emoji for no, I do not support this proposal. And add your resolution idea in the response thread. And I said voting ends on Friday at noon Boston time. Josh responded thumb down. And he wrote, I am so close to being in. To get me in, I would like to see a time window set for each day so I can plan my weekend. For example, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. EST, or Sunday, 9 to 11 a.m. EST. I responded, okay, I'll adjust the proposal so you can turn your thumb down emoji into a thumb up emoji. And I edited the proposal. I put some specific time slots in there. He responded, thumb up, perfect, thank you. And we were done with our decider and resolution. It went fast. And now that you have this tool in your remote working tool set, use it. Start by making agreements with each other about how you work together remotely. For example, what's our SLA, service level agreement, with each other? If I ask a question on our team's Slack channel, what's the maximum amount of time I should have to wait for a response? Investigating and checking things out. Failure to connect and communicate effectively is one of the reasons people dislike remote work, as well as one of the reasons teams fail at it. It doesn't have to be that way. Agree on and adopt clear communication practices. Even in an emergency, agreeing on how to communicate with each other might be the most important thing to do first. Agree that you'll keep communicating and using the tools you have the best way you can. Your tools might be more versatile than you imagined. Just because Slack defaults to text-based chat, for example, there's nothing stopping you from recording an audio or video comment and uploading it if you've got something complicated to say. Just keep in mind that it can't be indexed or searched the same way as text. Or if you can sketch out an idea or answer with pencil and paper, take a photo of it and upload that instead of getting stuck trying to redraw it with the fancy electronic tools. Each team needs to work out its own recommendations. When is it better to chat in separate threads versus one continuous flow? When should we create new channels? When should we use private conversations? When is it better to stop typing and communicate via video? Team consensus and practice on these things might take time to emerge. When you start working on your remote team agreements, use the investigate protocol to ask direct and non-judgmental questions about your teammates' suggestions. Try to increase your understanding of your teammates and your new work environment to connect more strongly as a team. Use the intention check protocol to clarify context that might be missing, body language, for example, regarding a colleague's behavior or actions. And use protocol check to keep each other on track whenever things start to go off the rails. Above all, assume positive regard for your teammates. Remember the lack of context to remote communication if there's a misunderstanding, it's likely that you are the one who has misunderstood them. No one expresses themselves at their best when under conditions of high stress and uncertainty. And not everyone is comfortable writing or using the keyboard as their primary way of keeping in touch. If you seek clarification, keeping all this in mind, you'll get a constructive outcome. On track for the future. Nobody knows when we'll return to normal or what that normal will look like at the end of this pandemic. Indeed, few things are known at all. But I'll bet on this for sure. We will fix this situation by working together in teams. And while the impact of this crisis is terrifying, 
take comfort in knowing that teams, teams of scientists and experts are collaborating across continents, across political divides, across language barriers like never before. Humanity is facing our greatest challenge in living memory, maybe of all time. But together, if we learn to cooperate, communicate, and create under new circumstances, we will survive and thrive. So take care, wash your hands, wear a face mask, and stay safe. And if I can help with anything, just ask. To concisely summarize this, here are 10 ideas for using core protocols in remote teams. Number one, check in frequently. Stay connected with each other emotionally. Number two, explicitly pass on an activity by typing or saying, I pass. Number three, explicitly check out by typing or saying, I'm checking out. Manage your app's alerts and notifications appropriately. Number four, ask for help early and often. Number five, use perfection game to incorporate your teammates' ideas and amplify the awesomeness of what you're creating together. Number six, fill in the team transformation canvas together to quickly connect and align with each other. Number seven, use decider and resolution to make team agreements, starting with what's our response time when someone on the team asks a question in Slack? Number eight, investigate your teammates to connect with them more strongly. Number nine, is it possible you've misunderstood something someone typed? Use intention check to clarify what they intended. And finally, number 10, whatever agreements you've made, use a tool like protocol check to get yourselves back on track whenever things start to go off the rails. Hi friends. Thanks again for listening. And remember, to support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com.